So tonight, uh, we're going to be going through uh, a little bit of the Old Testament. We're going to be getting into the history of Israel and the history of uh, Judah. We're going to be looking back at how God desired for the kings to serve in Judah and in Israel. We're going to be seeing some of the failures that they had in serving God and in serving Him wholeheartedly and not uh, giving up at the end. We're going to see some instances where they did exactly what God called them to do and, and were blessed because of it. But we're also going to see instances where they didn't do what God wanted them to do. They failed. They sinned against the Lord. They went against His will. And, and God cursed them for it. Um, we're going to see also in one instance where the king of Judah did not do what God called him to do and wanted him to do, but the Lord saw that his heart was still to serve him. And so instead of a cursing there, the Lord blessed him for it. We're going to also look at principles. You know, in this world that we live in, principles are far and few between now, aren't they? People sell out for so little. They don't live up to their word. They don't, they don't commit uh, and follow through with it. And principles are actually something nowadays that are kind of looked down upon. When someone says, oh, you're just standing on principles, like, well, is there any other way to stand? Right? Um, when we, when we think about the world, the world has no principles. They just live day by day doing whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. And if it hurts or offends or makes someone else suffer, it really doesn't matter to the world. And we're going to see tonight that some of these kings did not have the principles of the Lord. Uh, they did not follow through with the things that God desired them to do. They lived by their own principles, by their own means, and they forgot the calling that God had on their life. So if you would, everyone have a Bible? Pull up your Bibles. We're a Bible-believing church. We read from the Word of God, and hopefully it will not be anything from me, but it will all be from the Lord tonight. You can open those Bibles up to Second Chronicles chapter 15. I don't know why I picked these chapters, because they have some of the hardest names to read in them. And so I have been known every once in a while to abbreviate and make nicknames for these guys, because I can't say their names out correctly. So as I'm reading, if I do that, you know why. Again, Second Chronicles, chapter 15, page 390 in my book. Are we there? Amen, if you're there. Amen. One amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and pray while you continue to turn there. <clears throat> Father God, we come before you tonight, Father, and we desire, Lord, to see you work in our lives, Father. We desire to know truth and to know righteousness. We desire to have principles, Father, to stand on those principles, Lord. We desire to be right by you, Father God. We desire your, 
your loving look to look down upon us and see that the things that we do please you, Lord God. And so tonight, Father, as we read through these chapters, Father, as we study them, as we look at them, Lord, we pray that your Spirit would be here amongst us, ministering to us, Father. For your Word says that the Spirit gives knowledge and wisdom and understanding, Lord. And so we pray for that tonight, that you would give knowledge and wisdom and understanding to us as we read your Word, Lord. We pray these things in the power of your Son's name. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 15 starts out, Now the Spirit of God came to Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So what a starting to this chapter. We see that the prophet, Azariah, it's the, the, the word says that the Spirit came upon him to give a message, a message to Judah, a message to Asa, king of Judah, and to Benjamin, the two tribes. If you remember the, the, the two, uh, I believe it was the northern tribes of Judah and Benjamin were split off from the southern tribes of Israel, the rest of the brothers. They were split up into these two territories, and they had two separate kings that ruled over them. And so the Spirit of the Lord had a message for them. And he goes on in verse 3, he says, For, as long as, or for a long time Israel had been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God, and Israel... Uh, God of Israel, then sought him. He was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all of the inhabitants of the land. So nation was destroyed by nation, and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversary. So we see that in this time of trouble in the land of Judah, the Lord sent the Spirit to speak through the prophets. And he told King Asa in this time of trouble, kind of kind of the time that we're heading into here in America. We're heading into a time of turmoil where, again, principles, there are none in America. It seems like they're all gone. Where Nation against nation is talking about destroying one another. Where city is against city, as we are here in America now, where cities are just, they're just going off. They're no longer wanting to be part of one nation and a nation under our, our constitution. And we see that also here in the land of Israel. Um, they're, they're tearing away and there's just, there's no safety because they've turned from God. Those that go into the cities and out of the cities are being uh, um, uh, mugged and tortured and killed at times. And it says that the Lord allowed this turmoil to be placed upon them because they turned away from God. They were long from God. And yet here now, God desiring for, to draw them close to him, 
sends the Spirit through the prophet to tell Asa and, and to tell Benjamin to draw close to the Lord, and he will draw close to them. In verse 7, he goes on, but you, are str- but you are strong and do not, or you be strong and do not let your heart, your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So the Spirit tells Asa, you be strong. Don't, don't fret. Don't live in fear because I, the Lord God, see the things that you're doing. I see the things that you desire to do. And he says, and your hands will be strong in them, meaning you will have the strength to do them, the things that your heart desires. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and removed the abomination, abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them in Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. For they came over to him in great numbers for the Lord, uh, in numbers from Israel, when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So there's something to be said about about the man or the woman that stands up for God, that is being used by God. Others are drawn to that because they see the power of God in that person. And they have a desire to be, be near them. They have a desire to be part of that work. And here we see the, the other tribes around Judah having a desire to be part of Judah because they see the blessing that the Lord has, has given to King Asa, because he has served the Lord. He has removed the idols. He has has chopped them down and and put them asunder and burned them in the fire. And he's gotten rid of all the idols of Judah, and now the Lord is blessing them for him. And the nations are seeing that, and they're coming to join him in that. Verse 10 says, So they gathered together in Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls and 7,000 sheep of the spoil that they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their hearts and with all their souls. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman." They took this covenant serious that they were making to the Lord. Um, They were not kidding around. Those that were in the land that did not want anything to do with the Lord, did not want part of that, they had two options. One was leave and the other was die. Because they wanted to remove all the evil from Israel, from from Judah. They wanted to, to, to take it all out and stand only for God. And the people rejoiced in that and they were happy. And they desired for that to happen. In verse... 14, it says, Then they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and rams of horns. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn that their hearts, with all their hearts, and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. So the prophet's words came true that. The people turned from their evil ways. They sought the Lord. 
They sought to bring him close. And what did it say? And the Lord... And the Lord... Found, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. The Lord gave them rest all around because of their faithfulness, because their desire to be drawn close to him. Verse 16 goes on and says, Also he removed Machachin, Mac- the mother of Asa, the king, for, for be, from being queen mother before she had made an obscene image of Asherah, as Asa cut down her obscene image, then crushed it and burned it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all the days. He also brought into the house of God all the things of his father that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and the utensils. And there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Bashan, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah. Then he, or that he might let no one come in to Asa, king of Judah. And Asa brought silver and gold from the treasury of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Bashan, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So we see the faithfulness of Asa and the people of Judah for 35 years had peace upon their land. They lived in prosperity. They built up their treasures. The Lord blessed them tremendously. And now here we come to the 36th year and there's a little bit of turmoil. There's a little bit of, of turbulence in the kingdom. After, after 36 years, king of, the king of Israel, uh, Bashan, came and, and had, a, had a desire to obstruct the, the, the blessings that the Lord was doing in Judah. You could say there was maybe a little bit of jealousy in there, a little bit of, of uh, a desire to have some of that, but knowing that the tribes were separated, knowing that they were uh, not on the same uh, plane, he had a little bit of jealousy for that. And so what his desire was to, was to obstruct that. So uh, what he did was he came and he conquered the land that was right outside of Judah there. And he started to build his own city there. And he brought large beams and rocks and stones and things like that. And they started building up the city. Why? To obstruct what God was doing in the land of Judah. Because those that did not live in the city would come to the city walls and they would do their trade. They would bring their goods and their vegetables and their fruits and their, uh, their um, goats and their sheep and all the things that the Lord blessed them with. And they would bring them in to the city of Judah and they would trade with those that were inside the city. And the blessings would flow. And so what the king of Israel desired to do was set up his city right outside so that those that came to trade would not make it all the way to Judah because... 
It's easier to trade with Israel being right there instead of having to travel all the way to Judah. So we see that the, the king of Judah and the king of Israel had this war between them. Brothers having war against one another. Remember, they all came from the twelve, the tribes of Israel. And yet here we see they're, they're fighting and they're bickering amongst one another. And we see that they're, the, the king of Israel is trying to stop what the Lord is doing here. And so what does Asa do? In his, own, in his own wisdom, in his own desire, he goes to the king of Syria. And he says, O king of Syria, take this gold, take this silver that I've given you. See that it is good. Take some of our wealth. And all I want you to do is break your treaty that you have with Israel. Break the protection that you have there. And I want you to go to war with them. So, so, so the king of Judah hired the king of Syria, to go and fight his battle against the king of Israel, we see there. And we're going to see that it works here in a, in a moment as we read on. So let's read on in verse 4. So Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the city of Israel. They, they attacked uh, Ijon, Dan, Abel, Merom, and all the cities of Nephtel. Now it happened when Bashan heard it that he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. Then King Asa took all Judah and they carried away the stones and the timbers of Ramah, which Bashan had used to build. And with them he built Geba and Mizbeth. And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. So here we see another prophet coming to Asa. 36 years later, after the first prophet, Azariah came to him. And the prophet said to Asa, Because you did not believe in the Lord your God, because you did not trust him and in him, that he could deliver you from Israel, because you could not keep the Lord your God, your trust, and you trusted the king of Syria, he says, Now I'm going to come against you. He says, now you're going to see what's going to happen. He says that Syria and the king of Syria and the armies of Syria have escaped your hand. See, God, it, it would seem that God had a plan for Judah to take over that area, to take over that land of Syria. And yet here, because he made this treaty with the king of Syria, now Syria slipped through his hand. That land slipped through his hand. And he no longer had the ability to take over that land where Syria was. Let's read on in verse 8. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them up into your hand. 
For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. You know, this is one of the verses that I just love. Verse 9 there, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. You know, that's a promise there. The, The Bible says... There's nothing new under the sun, right? The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so these promises are still here. The Lord still looks to and fro throughout all the earth, looking for men and women whose hearts are loyal to him, that he may bless their hands. And we see here that Asa, king of Judah, lost that blessing. He lost it because his heart wasn't loyal to the Lord anymore because he did not trust the Lord. And and, and, uh, the, the prophet here reminds Asa of the Ethiopians, which he conquered to to get the land. He reminds him of uh, Labam, who he conquered. These were these were kings that had many, many soldiers, many warriors in their kingdom. And, and, and Judah was, was minute compared to him, compared to these kings. And yet God miraculous, miraculously allowed Judah to defeat these kings. These kings had hundreds and hundreds of chariots and horsemen. And if you had chariots and horsemen in your, in your army, you were well set back then. That would be the equivalent of having tanks, having fighter jets, right, of, of our time. You know, you go to war against a nation that has tanks and fighter jets and you've only got horses and cars and jeeps, you're in trouble. And so that was the time we're looking at. That was them. They were the dominant warriors of their time. And yet the Lord gave victory to Judah because they had their eyes set upon him. And this time they took their eyes off him. And so the curse was that from now on he was going to have war for the rest of his reign. No longer was he going to have peace. He had 36 years of peace. And now, because he took his eyes off the Lord, he's going to be entering into war for the rest of his reign. Let's read on. In verse 10, he says, Then Asa was angry. I would be angry too, but he was angry at the wrong person. He said, Then Asa was angry with the seer. And he put him in prison for... He was enraged at him because of this. And Asa opposed or oppressed some of the people at that time. It was tough being a seer at that time. It was tough being a prophet at that time. If you didn't say what the king liked, you're, you're gone to prison. You know, off with your head or off with your hands or, you know, something else. Would, we see here that Asa locked him up in prison because he didn't like what the Lord had to say. Remember, he was just the messenger. Here, and Asa was angry at the seer and the message when he should have been angry at himself and he should have repented from the sin that he committed. Note in verse 11, it says, Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, and indeed, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his And his, 
and his sickness was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought the physician. So Asa rested with his fathers, and he died in the 41st year of his reign. But they buried him in his own tomb, which he had made for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the bed, which was filled with spices and various ingredients prepared and mixed with ointments, for they had a very great burning for him. So we see about four years later, he gets diseased. After all this fighting and all these wars that he's put through, the disease comes to him. His, his feet um, start to, I don't know if it's whether, they, whether it's leprosy or what it is, but his feet start to deteriorate and fall apart. An infection starts to set in, and it takes his life eventually, and he is done. He, he disobeyed the Lord. He, he sinned, and, and he paid the price for it and the punishment for it. Let's read on in verse 17. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Beels, but sought the God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat. And he, heard, he had riches and honor in abundance. So King Asa dies and gets laid and buried in the city of David, and his son takes over reign. But his son probably seeing that the blessings that Asa had when he served the Lord and he cut down the Beels and he cut down the idols and burned them, saw the blessing that God had on Judah. And so he had that same desire. And so we see here that Jehoshaphat served the Lord well. He served him as his father David did. Even though David was his grandfather, the word calls him his father. His, his forefather David, he, he loved the Lord. You know, the word the, the word, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And if Jehoshaphat served the Lord as his father David served, Jehoshaphat's heart was also for the Lord. And we see that the Lord had blessed him for that. The Lord had set up, allowed him to set up guards and garrisons and soldiers all around Judah to protect them so that the king of Israel could not invade Judah and take over. And we'll see as we go on the blessings that the Lord has for him. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents. I'm sorry, we read that already. Verse 6. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed all the high places and wooden images from Judah. So in the third year of the reign, he sent his leaders Ben-Hail, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathel, and Machahan to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, Shemeshai, 
Nathaniel, Zebedai, and Elhi, Ahiel, Shamarush, and Jonathan, Abitai, Tobahai, and Tabadai, the Levites, and with them Elmish and Jeroam, the priest. So they sought or so they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. With They went through all the cities of Judah and taught with the people. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. So we see Jehoshaphat, not only did he cut down all the images, not only did he, he take all the evil things out of the land, but he replaced them with the things of the Lord. He sent his priests throughout all the land of Judah to all the cities. He sent men that he could count on, soldiers and, and men that he could trust to all the different cities so that they could then teach the people of the Lord, teach the people of, of the things that they should be doing, of how they should be worshiping. You know, it's important that we ourselves, we remove all those things in our lives that shouldn't be there, all the idols that we have and I know we have idols, right? Everyone has something there in their life that's keeping them from serving God a little bit more, keeping them from serving God wholeheartedly. And when we remove those things, we need to be sure to replace them with the things of the Lord. We need to be, be sure that we, we are doing our service to the Lord and worshiping Him in the way that He desires us to do, um, the way that He desires us to fulfill our ministry to Him, that we're sure to do that. And so we see that here that Jehoshaphat realized that that needed to happen. The Lord gave him that wisdom. And so he sent them throughout all the land. And what did it say there uh, that, we, that we read about the other nations? The other nations saw that the Lord was with the land of Judah. They saw the power that Jehoshaphat had. They saw the, the, the moving that the Lord did, the blessings that were there, and not one of them had a desire to come and make war with Jehoshaphat to make war with Judah they because they were in fear that the Lord would turn on them they saw the power that Jehoshaphat had let's read on in verse 11 also some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver and tribute and the Arabians brought him flocks 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats so Jehoshaphat became became increasingly powerful and he built for fortresses and storage cities in Judah he had much property in in the cities of Judah and the men of war mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem and their numbers according to their fathers houses of Judah and the captains of thousands and he just goes on and he lists all his his uh his soldiers that were there, and there were hundreds of thousands of men. You can go on and read that later. Skip down to verse 19. After hundreds of thousands of men were sent to all the areas of Judah, verse 19 says, These served the king besides those that the king put in his fortified cities throughout all of Judah. So he had soldiers in all of Judah protecting them. After, I'm sorry, and let's read on in verse 18 to close. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance, and by marriage he aligned himself with Ahab. Now that doesn't mean that he married Ahab. Let me make that clear. He aligned himself by marriage. He married 
Ahab's, or Ahab's daughter uh, to unite the land of Israel and the land of Judah once again. Remember, they've been separated for all these years. Um, Asa's, or, uh, Jehoshaphat's father, Asa, king, had that war with Bashan, who was king of, of Israel. And now both those kings are dead and gone and passed. And Jehoshaphat is trying to follow what God desires him to do. And he wants to make peace with the land of Israel because he realizes these are his brothers. These are his family members, his, um, uh, his father's brothers, his kin. And so he desires to make that peace. And so what does he do? He takes uh, King Ahab's daughter as wife to unite the tribes. That was often done back in this time so that uh, the king of Israel would not come and invade because now his daughter actually lives there in Judah with the king of Judah. And so we see Jehoshaphat being wise takes, takes the daughter so that uh, they begin to make that unity together. In verse 2 he says, After some years he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him. And pursued him, or persuaded him to go up to him with to Ramah Gilead. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, "Will you go with me against Ramah Gilead?" And he answered him and and said, "I am yours." Or I'm sorry. And he said, "I am as you are, and my people as your people." We will be with you in war. So because Jehoshaphat married his daughter and, and, and brought her over, now he kind of becomes attached to the land of Israel, right? Because if he doesn't protect the land of Israel, if he doesn't align with them, what's going to happen? His wife's not going to be very happy, right? That's, his, that's her father over there. So because he did that, now he says... My people are as your people, and your people are as my people because we are united as one, because we have this alliance together. Also, in verse 4, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramach Gilead, or shall we refrain? So they said, go up, for God will deliver into the hand of the king. So we see this, these two coming together and having this meeting after this great feast. And the king of Israel persuades Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, to go to war with him. And Judah agrees to do that. But Judah, being the man of God that he is, says to the king of Israel, let's inquire of the Lord. Let's see what the Lord desires for us to do. And so he says, are there men here in your land that speak with the Lord and can inquire of him? And so the king of Israel gathers 400 men, 400 prophets, it calls them, together, and asks them, hey guys, should we go up against Ramach Gilead, or should we stay? And these guys all huddle together and they get in their groups and they're like, okay, what do we tell the king? And so they all decide, oh yeah, king, go. The Lord's on your side. Go, go, go. He's going to deliver him into your hand. <clears throat> and so the king's satisfied. He's like, hey, my prophet said so. 
let us remember that the land of Israel was not walking with God at this time. So the prophets that, this, that the word is talking about are not prophets of God. They're the prophets of the land of Israel. The, the, the intermarried, intermarrying that they have done, the, the gathering of all the other gods into the land of Israel that they have done over the years, these are the prophets of those gods, not the prophet of the one true and living God. And so we see that here. As Jehoshaphat says in verse 6, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So Jehoshaphat knew that these prophets that said, Sure, go up against the king. Go up and, you'll, and the Lord will deliver them to battle. The Jehoshaphat knew that these were not men of God, that they were not men that served God and that had the fear of the Lord God, his God, in them. And so he asked the king, Isn't there a prophet of the true living God? The God of our fathers, Abraham and Isaac, isn't there one more prophet that we can seek and ask? So the king in verse 7 of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. His name is Mekahana, the son of Elam, Imalam. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, Bring Machanahai, the son of Imam, quickly. So we see that there was one prophet in the land of Israel. One prophet there that the king of Israel knew, but the king hated this guy. Why did he hate him? Did you catch that? Because he always prophesies bad against him. Well, why do you think he always prophesies bad against the king? Because the king wasn't following the word of God. The king wasn't serving the one and true God. So all of the prophecies were the Lord condemning him. The Lord saying what was wrong and what he was doing wrong and how he's, how he's going to suffer and, and not be prosperous because he wasn't serving the Lord God. He wasn't serving the God of I hate his name, uh, Mechanai. Um, he wasn't serving his God. And so he always had a bad word to say, and the king hated it that we see here. But nevertheless, because of King Jehoshaphat, he says, okay, we'll inquire of him. So he sends for him. In verse 9, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat king of Judah, clothed themselves in their robes and sat each on his throne and they sat at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chihana, had made horns of iron for himself. And he said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And the prophets prophesied, saying so. Go up to Ramah Gilead and prosper, and the Lord will deliver it into your hand. These guys just don't quit. They're adamant about sending the king out to war. And it's very interesting why. We're going to see in a few minutes why. But but they're... they're Full on board. King, go. The Lord has delivered him to your hand. We are confident. We, your seers, your wise men, your prophets, 
The Lord has spoken to us and we are confident. We have heard from him that you will be victorious. Go out. And so they continue on, even to the point where one of them has this, this horns. And he says, this, you're going to be able to take these horns and gore the Syrians to death. You will have victory. And so we see as, as, uh, as the kings sit at, on the threshing floor at the gate, where people are coming in and coming out, and they're sitting there in their robes all dressed up, and, and, and all the prophets are prophesying to them. We see them sitting there, and, and the, these prophets are just continuing on to persuade them to go without any um, reprieve, just, just continuing to go, so very confident. Verse 11 says, and all the prophets, I'm sorry, verse 12 says, Then the messenger who had gone to Mechanhai spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets, listen, I'm sorry, now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king, therefore please let your words be like the words of them, and speak encouragement. Then Mechanhai, Mechanhai, Hannah, or oh boy, Mechahan said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. So, as the kings are sitting on the threshing floor, sitting outside, the servants bring the prophet of the Lord in. They said, Now look, you see all these prophets out here, 400 of them, they've all been prophesying for days, for hours, that, that, the king is going to be victorious, and we want you to prophesy the same thing. We want you, no matter what, what you think, we want you to say that the king is going to be prosperous, and the king will win, and the king should go to war. And he says them to, to, to the servants, he says, As the Lord lives, whatever God says, that I will speak. You see... He realized who he served. He realized the true and living God and who God was. And he, living on his principles his, of following the Lord, was not going to sell out. Even though he was coming before two kings, the king of Judah and Israel, he was not going to, to sell out and go with the flow. You see, the world, the world that we live in, always wants us to do that ourselves. Wants us to go with the flow, not make waves in our lives, you know, those of you that that uh, work in a uh, an industry or a, a job where you're not allowed to talk about the Lord on cl- company time on the clock, uh, you're making waves. Uh, the world wants to shut you up. The world wants you to not speak the things that God is telling you to speak. And yet, here we see the prophet says, "Hey, if the Lord tells me to say it." I'm going to say it. No promises here, guys. In verse 13, And Mechahana said, As the Lord lives, whatever God says, that I will speak. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Mechahan, shall we go to war against Ramah Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, Go and prosper, O king, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Right? You can kind of hear that tone in his voice. Like, yeah, king, go ahead, go do it. And the king realizes it, that he's kind of mocking him there. 
Verse 15 says, So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you will tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So the king realizes that and he goes, Come on, tell me the truth. How many times am I going to tell you this? Tell me the truth. What is the Lord telling you? Because the king knew inside that those other prophets were not prophets of the Lord. He knew that they were not uh, speaking for the Lord, that they may not be speaking the truth. And so he goes on and says in verse 15, Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountain. So So he said, King, you want the truth? Here's the truth. I saw all Israel scattered upon the mountain as sheep that had no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? So the king realizes that, hey, this guy's prophesying evil. He's saying Israel's going to be destroyed. They're not going to have their master. Well, who's Israel's master? The king was Israel's master. And so he's basically saying the king is going to be destroyed. Your life is up if you go to war, O king. And he says, I'm not finished, king. Then Mechanai said, Therefore, hear the words of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up, and that he may fall at Ramah Gilead? So the one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then the spirit, a spirit came forward, And stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be lying spirits in the mouths of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him to and also prevail. Go and do so. So we get a glimpse into heaven here, which is pretty awesome. You see the Lord sitting around his throne and the heavenly hosts are surrounded by him as he sits. And he says, who... Can I get to persuade Ahab to go to war against Ramah Gilead? And the spirit says, I will do it. And here's how I will do it. I will send the line. I will be the line spirit that will whisper in the ears of his prophets. And I will tell them that he will succeed. And so the Lord says to go to him. Now, if you were the king and you heard all that from a prophet that you knew was the Lord, the the Lord's prophet, you would probably be pretty fearful, right? You would probably be like, wow, maybe I shouldn't go. But not, not King Ahab. He's going to go anyway. So in verse 21, so he said, I will, I'm sorry, verse, uh, I lost my place. Verse 22, therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chishanan, went near and struck Mekanai on the cheek and said, which way did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? So he slaps him and then he taunts him. That was that from the Spirit of the Lord? Did you see that one coming as he slaps him? And he says in verse 24, and the, and the prophet said, Indeed, you shall go on that day when you go into the inner chamber to hide. 
Then the king of Israel said, Take Mechahan, I'm just going to call him Mick from now on, take Mick and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city of Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. But Mick said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. So it was tough being a prophet back then. Again, he gets locked up in jail just as the prophet before him got locked up in jail for bringing bad news to the king. Yet he still brought it. And in the end, he says, O king, if you ever come back, the Lord has not spoken to me. But he says, But take heed, all you people. So everyone in the area, which I'm sure was watching this, right? Because they were at the gate of the threshing floor of the city where everyone was around was watching this. And so the warning went to all the people also. So when the people saw, they were amazed at this, that the prophet had spoken this. Verse 28, as we're almost closing up. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went to Ramah Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. Why do you suppose he did that? Why do you suppose he disguised? Do you think he really believed the prophet? He probably did, right? Otherwise, he would be in his kingly robe and on his white horse and surrounded by his men. But he says, let me disguise myself. Let me disguise, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Boy, he he kind of put Jehoshaphat up there, right? Like, here's the king, come get him. I'm fighting battle too, but I'm going to disguise myself. So really, what he wanted was for Jehoshaphat to take all the pressure, for Jehoshaphat to take all the, the aim, right? You guys play chess? What do you go for in chess? The king, right? So here we, we see the king of Israel disguising himself so that the Syrians would go after the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. Now, verse 30, Now the king of Syria had commanded all the captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, Fight no one with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. So it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they surrounded him and attacked. But Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, Help me! And God diverted them from him. For it was, for it was when the captains of the kings of Israel... I'm sorry, captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel. They turned back from pursuing him. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So pretty interesting there. Pretty like that wasn't that wasn't by accident, right? It was prophesied by the prophet. Uh, the king of Israel did everything in his power to disguise himself so that the, the armies of the Syrians wouldn't know who he was, so they wouldn't therefore come after him. He was probably in the background, right? 
allowing all the soldiers to go in front of him, so he kind of stayed in the back, so he was well protected, and yet here we see just your, doesn't even name him who he is, just your average guy, your average soldier draws his bow back and just releases it. And the arrow goes off and right into the crevices, right into the gaps of the armor of the king of Israel. The Lord directed that bow and that arrow, I have no doubt. The man shooting it may not have known, but the Lord used that to remove the king of Israel. Now, uh, uh, center of 33, So he said to the driver of his chariots, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king of Israel propped himself in his chariot facing the Syrians until evening, and about that time of sunset, he died. He died. And so just a little teaser. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. He cried out to the Lord. He realized that, man, maybe this wasn't a good idea for me to go to war. Maybe I should have listened to the prophet of God. Remember, he asked for the prophet of God to come and give word. And the prophet gave word not to go into battle, that, that the king would be destroyed and that Israel would be left leaderless. And yet Jehoshaphat didn't stop. He followed king of Israel into battle, knowing that God was going to destroy him. We may not be kings of nations. We may not be kings of lands or cities or towns. But we are definitely kings and priests of our homes, men, right? Ladies, you are queens of your homes. A lot of these things that we read tonight, a lot of this history that we see set before us were do's and don'ts, were given to us as warnings, as the prophet warned. We would do well to take heed of the things that happened in the time of Jehoshaphat, in the time of Asa, in the time of Bashan, that we ourselves would live lives that are pleasing to the Lord, that we would always inquire of the Lord and not the world, and that we would seek Him wholeheartedly and then be obedient to that after we hear from Him, whether we like it or not. Remember, Jehoshaphat made a promise. Jehoshaphat already said he was going to go to war before he inquired of the Lord. And even when he inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, don't go through the prophet, he was disobedient and he went and he realized that. And I encourage you to read on. I wanted to go further, but time will not allow me. We see that the Lord did not like what he did, but he was repentive of the sin of going against the Lord. And the Lord blessed him for it. He continued to grow and continued to be prosperous as he continued to serve Judah as the king. And so in our lives and the things that we do, let us not forget those things. Let us not forget these battles that happened. We can all take away something tonight of those things that the Lord did through the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these stories, Father. Lord, they are reminders of the failures of men in the past, Lord. And Lord, someone once said, if we forget where we came from, we won't know where we're going. 
If we forget the history, we're bound to repeat it, Lord. And so I pray, Father, that tonight, as we went through the history of your kings, Lord, that you would remind us of these things, Father, that we would stand on principles, Lord, that we would stand faithful, Lord, that we would cut down the idols in our lives, Father, that we would remove them and burn them up, Father, that we would kill those things in our lives that hold us back from you, Lord, that keep us from serving you, Father, that if it's our right eye, Lord, that we would pluck it out, Father, that if it's our right hand, that we would chop it off, Lord, as your son said, Father. Lord, we pray tonight, I pray tonight as my brothers and sisters go on with their week, the rest of this week, that your spirit would be speaking to them about the messages tonight, Father. That you would encourage them and strengthen them, Lord. And just bless them, Father, the rest of this week, Father God. We thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.